You are listening to Be Simply. This is Suzanne Toro, a.k.a. She. You can anticipate being inspired, discovering some inner and outer wisdom and inspiration. Without further ado, let's dive into Be Simply. Welcome to Be Simply. This is she, and I want to thank you for joining us today. We have special guest, Jeff James Howard. He is a somatic psychotherapist from Boulder, Colorado, and he currently works with men, women, and couples and does a lot of amazing men's work. And today we're going to dive into the human experience. In addition, uh, he is a co-host with a podcast called The Better Bozo, a podcast for men. So without further ado, let's dive in with Jeff. I want to welcome you here um, on Be Simply. We'll have a little live cast so people can see our faces, but then this will also go out into the world of um, sound, radio and podcasting. So, um, Great. Well, today I want to just one, thank you for being here. Uh, and I'm really excited to talk to you about your great work uh, that you are doing with uh, humans here on planet earth and one thing that really stuck out i was reading some of your material on your site is that you um, don't consider anyone broken you, you consider that we have these beautiful facets to ourselves that maybe you can describe a little bit more how you work with those facets uh, which i love that concept of not being whole <laughs> and maybe just yeah. having some edges or bringing things to light that uh, and shine so if you could share a little bit more about that approach, I think that would be super helpful for the world at large right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, it is a fundamental part of my philosophy on how I work, as you put it. I like that humans on this earth, humans on this planet. One of the cultural stories that feels so destructive is this idea of brokenness or the idea that we're not enough, which is so pervasive and insidious, I think, in most everyone. Certainly the folks that I work with. And so even trying on the magical thing about our brains that I go back to over and over is our brains don't know the difference between thinking something is happening, AKA something is true or real right. and something actually happening. So if we're consistently writing a narrative about ourselves that says we're broken or says that some core parts of us are unacceptable, we're pretty screwed. Right. So <clears throat> I just get people to try on. Yeah, exactly. I get people to try on this idea. Well, what if you're whole right now? What if everything in you, including your wounds, maybe especially your wounds, actually have value and have intelligence and have an integral role in your becoming? And if you can share maybe an example of having a, a perception that something's broken or you know, maybe where people get into self-loathing or beating themselves up mentally, uh, emotionally, uh, hopefully not physically, but. Yeah, hopefully not physically. <laughs> I do know someone who occasionally hits themselves really hard um, yeah. when they're having a rough time. Um, gosh, I'll use a personal one. That's the first thing that pops up. Um, I have what I call my judger. And he used to just rule the day consistently, like multiple times throughout the day. But I played nice 
and you wouldn't necessarily know I was ever judging you. Um, and for a long time, that was a part that I just pushed down and thought, oh my God, that's terrible. I judge people. I judge them sometimes really harshly. Um, and ever since I've worked on noticing judgment and getting curious about judgment, now I get to use it as a signpost for one, okay, this probably has me activated in some way. I'm probably a little uh, ill at ease or, or uncomfortable. And the more I'm able to do that, the more I get to use my judger, who historically would just slam people so I could be separated above them, so I could right. feel safe over here in my superior bubble, which was not true. <laughs> now it's it's more my discerner. It's the one who who's there's something of value here to notice not so much to judge and make it hierarchical but more oh all right that's something to pay attention to so that's that's one example i've noticed for myself in that type of exercise that there's something really valuable inside to like work with uh that you can liberate yeah discover about yourself (laughs) absolutely Uh, another example that pops up really strongly a lot of my clients really kind of loathe their sensitivity um both men and women but especially men um because culturally we're not supposed to be sensitive and so that's one place i would do a lot of work with folks um that sensitive actually is valuable that's part of what kept you alive that's part of what has you uh intelligent in particular ways now sure when when it's going 100 miles an hour and it's at the the wheel hypervigilance is not so pleasant be able to integrate that bring it in the fold consciously that, oh sensitive is actually valuable and notice i don't say good or bad right I try to move away from valuative terms like that has value it's very smart let yourself be sensitive celebrate your sensitivity um so that's another example too of, of being able to help people realize that hey that actually is important and it's not going anywhere by the way these qualities are not going to go anywhere yeah so it's a good idea to get to know them. And then when you talk about sensitivity, if you can uh, share a little bit more in depth about the value of emotions, a lot of times, um, especially in certain subsets of our humanity, there's a propensity to grasp towards like peace, love, happiness, and to reject anger or uh, grief or sadness because it doesn't feel good to maybe self or those that ha- are around when those things come up. But if you can share a little bit more about, you know, the value of our emotions and how we were designed to have them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A colleague of mine from Washington state uh, where I grew up uh, and started my uh, practice, my psychotherapy practice. He talks about emotions being a bodily function like any other and that we wouldn't hold our pee for two years or even two hours, right? It's a, it's a necessary, essential bodily function, the expression of emotion. Um, and I think, Suzanne, you're speaking to a pretty common Pollyanna. Um, we have a, a narrow range of acceptable emotions, and it's, it's happy, it's excited, it's enthusiastic, you know, it's tearfully joyful, you know, which is fine. And it's some version of spiritual bypass where we only get to feel these particular things. Right. Um, and this goes back to the conversation of wholeness. Nobody's broken. You might feel broken. That's very different. But if we're allowing ourselves to feel what arises, so much intelligence in that. So much value in what I talk a lot about, which is the both and. 
both slash and as opposed to an either or. We're very much in the either or culture. Yep. It's good or it's bad. Are you smiling? <laughs> it must be good. Great. Everybody's good. Are we good? I'm good. Are you good? As opposed to what's that guy's problem? What's wrong? Is there something wrong with me? <laughs> yeah. We're pretty. Yeah, is we're pretty. A, uh, is this a shiny moment? Um. Yeah. Right. This is not very shiny. I got to get out of here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and then if you go a little bit deeper into the value of our emotions, um, you know, I'll tell, share with clients that, you know, even anger, when it rises up, it's propelling us into action, uh, hopefully rational, objective action, but it's a signal. Um, if you can share a little bit on how, especially right now on this moment on the planet, there's a lot of uh, division, there's a lot of um, anger, there's a lot of confusion. Um, and if you can maybe share a little bit with the listeners on maybe how to uh, utilize that energy for a value, like it's not either or, like this is bad that you're feeling this, but what to do with it. Yeah, that's a, that's a great inquiry, Suzanne. Um, I think the one of the most important things is, and I work with folks weekly on this, is allowing things to move. Um, and... and I think the, the prerequisite I would offer before we do anything with emotions is to let them be and not feel like we have to do something. I think that's such a trap. Like, oh, I'm angry. I should, um, I don't know what I should do. I should, I should, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't even know. Just like journal the word jerk or, you know, idiot about 400 times to move it. I, that's a silly example, but this is a hard time. I mean, my goodness, if we, if we believe the news, um, everybody is on one side or the other, period, right? No gray area. Yeah. Uh, the star-bellied sneeches and the, the ones without stars upon Mars. One of Dr. Seuss's books I really love. <laughs> Just being able to allow it to inform us in part. right? Like if, if we think of fingers as emotions, not just anger informing me so that I go and key somebody's car or, you know, Go on to a chat room and really <laughs> courageously rip somebody who's made some comment that's controversial to your beliefs or, or, or pushes on your beliefs. But to let us, so let it inform us and then hopefully be in our more adult whole selves and take that piece of information and move it in a direction that, and whatever that is for each person. Because, for instance, I'm not the guy really that ever was the one to lie in front of bulldozers or. <laughs> Or to super glue my hand to a window at Goldman Sachs. <laughs> you know, that that's not been my role. And certainly that's some people's role. Yeah. But to know what's best for you, what's the most effective course of action. Right. Um, and it might be giving a hundred bucks to the ACLU or, or it might be uh, volunteering some time uh, at a homeless shelter or, or a bread line or whatever it is. But yeah. yeah. Ultimately, to recap that, Whatever emotion comes up, let it inform you in a, in a significant way, but not necessarily drive the bus or run right. the whole show. Yeah. And then if you can uh, bridge that into our mindset, uh, how if we maintain a healthy, a well mindset, that that can assist us with our emotional GPS, our emotional center, uh, because <laughs> because our our mind is not confused or maybe um, over busy. 
Yeah, mindset. You know Carol Dweck, her work, she's a Stanford researcher. She wrote a book called Mindset. Um, I've come back to it so many times. She breaks, breaks it down into two basic categories. There is a fixed mindset, aka the be good mindset, right? reach the mountaintop. Or the growth mindset, also known as the get better mindset, aka be in the process and consistently moving and learning and gleaning and gathering. Um, so for me, when I think about a healthy mindset, it's one that has openness, flexibility, adaptation. Um, and again, with the mind, it being a point of reference, yeah. not this top down, the mind is the superpower and everything goes through the mind because it sure likes that. It's very self-centered, the mind. Um, but to be able to balance that with, well, what is that? What, how's that feel? You know, asking myself, okay, hmm, how does that feel? What, what do I need to do? I'm not sure if that answers your question totally, but that's, that's one thing. Absolutely, I go to. yeah. Well, you know, and so if, if we go from the mind as one informant, uh, our heart being another informant, and then we have this great other informant that uh, I found that the male embodiment tends to utilize much more effectively than the female. Um, is the solar plexus, the stomach. We have this gut response. Yeah. Um, and if you can share how that for you and your work plays in those three centers uh, into, you know, decision-making, you know, moment-to-moment -moment existence. Yeah. That's what, <laughs> excuse me, that's, that's lovely. You have the gut, the gut feeling. Um, one of the distinctions I make with folks when we talk about are how we view ourselves. Um, a lot of people I work with conflate uh, instinct with conditioned behavior uh, or innate with ultimately introjects, things that we got from the outside world that aren't really ours. Self-doubt, self-loathing you mentioned earlier um, or making mistakes in whatever form. That's such a vital distinction. I, I, I lovingly kind of hammer on people. I say, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't, I, I don't believe that that's yours and that's innate, that you just instinctively came out of the womb hating yourself. I don't buy it, not for a second. So where the gut factors in and the heart factors in, um, especially in an intellectual-centric culture like ours, rational, we can make a solid argument, then well, all right, good enough. My, my work's done here. I've made a great argument. Uh, it is unassailable. What do you mean your gut says otherwise? Oh. But to be able to slow down enough to take a few breaths and uh, interrupt the old patterns of you know, the, the, the brain is always right or, or whatever it might be and check in with our heart check in with our gut and even if we don't know the answer this feels really critical for instance you know if you were to s propose something to me and it made sense it was really reasonable and my gut and my body was like i don't actually know something doesn't feel right to be able to stop and say, not that I want to make you wrong, Suzanne, and will you say more? I'm not sure what my questions are, but my body is saying, whoa, let's pump the brakes. Yeah, that's just, and that's, that's, we have to do that multiple times daily to, to kind of rewrite our, our stories about uh, accepting something is true just because someone else says it's true. Right, that's, absolutely. And then share a little bit more about the, the in the gut, you know, when we have those gut response, because if we're out in nature, 
we'll talk about your your love appeared love for nature uh, yep. is that when you're in the wild that gut response is really important if there's danger uh you know if sure. you watch the animals you'll see they'll either freeze for a second and assess and then or they might go because they have that instinct uh if you can share a little bit for the listeners on how they can really bring you know there's a lot of focus on a nutritional level bring your gut into balance but really on an energetic level how to bring that in balance because if we do have built-in traumas or fears or bias we might react there just based on what as you mentioned earlier has been conditioned or we've learned or we've experienced so yeah. how, how could we like uh do a little work to free up our our belly <laughs> yeah that's so great um Gosh, well, belly breaths are really actually a fantastic idea. It seems really simple and it is in some way and also wildly powerful. A single deep breath resets our nervous system. And I'm not gonna say that it you know, makes us 10 years younger or anything crazy like that, but it is a small reset of our nervous system. Two breaths, three breaths. Um, it's so good for our blood and our brain and our body. Um, I'm a big fan of actually breathing in a particular way that you push your belly out, distend your belly uh, way more than you normally would, which yeah. in this belly phobic culture, this is also pretty rough for people. Uh, <laughs> what we did as babies though, very naturally. We stuck our yeah, precisely. <laughs> yeah, we're like writhing around and pushing our gut out and just being chubby and free and lovely or whatever. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's one thing. And, and even just putting our hands on our belly it's actually a pretty sound uh, down regulation practice of just breathing into our belly with our hands on our belly. i just barely did a deep breath and i feel more relaxed yeah yeah absolutely. yeah yeah and there's the you probably know this but it occurred to me as you were talking the enteric brain um that there's evidence of that there's our second brain in our body yeah um, and the thing that i learned a couple of years ago most of the serotonin a lovely chemical that gets produced by our body is produced in our gut. So that's part of the danger too, is when we eat, yeah. oh, it feels good. Uh, this is uncomfortable. This person disagreed with me. I'm going to have another French fry or 12 <laughs> or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. So, yeah. So we may opt for some deep breathing <laughs> in that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, or sitting in it or listening a little deeper. Um, and if, if you can share a little bit about, uh, you mentioned earlier about asking questions or saying, oh, I'm not comfortable, because that happens, our walls go up, it can be in our personal relationships, it can be with a stranger, and all of a sudden, everything shuts down, no listening, nothing, it's like, I'm not going to do that. Um, if you can share a little bit with the listeners on how they can create an open mind, more like, more the curious little kid, maybe the five-year-old or six-year-old, you know, asking questions <laughs> with, yeah. without being offended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Uh, curiosity is such, I think, a critical, I had a long journey when I was a kid, it, being curious wasn't okay. It was seen as an affront, uh, actually a, like an act of aggression. So I did a lot of just being, I'm cool, I'm cool, and acting like I understood something. And a practice I got from a friend of mine years ago was just straight up, and this is where the, the mind and the brain become really good team players. Basically a servant to the whole, right? Uh, instead of being top dog, it's more in balance with the rest of our system. Right. Um, 
get on board with doing a different thing. I say this a lot. It's quite obvious and easier in, in, in kind of word than practice. If we want a different experience, we have to participate differently. So really say taking an hour with a friend and that's not necessarily even telling your friend, but you certainly could front load it saying, uh, going into a conversation, I'm going to ask questions I never ask. And I'm going to ask two or three more questions in, in, in a line of inquiry that I never would do. Uh, that's a great starting place. Or to notice where do you ask questions or where do you not ask questions? Mm. Or do you just say, like, I'm also a big believer our language is so important to pay attention to. Absolutely. How often in conversation does someone say something, they're fired up about and we're like, yeah, right, totally. And did we really take it in? Do we really agree? Are we a totally 100% with this person? Probably not. But their uh, nonverbal cues are so strong and we're such social creatures, right. belonging. So we're like, yeah, totally. Screw that guy at Whole Foods. What a jerk. <laughs> and we don't know the other side of the story. We don't know right. the larger context. Uh, and, and the presence of even doing one thing is enough, I think, to interrupt the whole patterns so we can then interact differently and feel ourselves differently mm -hmm. uh, and build on that of having a more alive, present experience. Yeah, beautiful. You are listening to Be Simply. This is Suzanne Toro, AKA She. You can anticipate being inspired, discovering some inner and outer wisdom and inspiration. Without further ado, let's dive into Be Simply. And if you can share, like in a in a personal relationship, since you work with couples too, how uh, oftentimes when couples get to the point where they go and see someone like you or me, their their walls are up and they're not, and they're so much of a happy place as a couple. If you can share how uh, couples can reunite with one another, how they can reconnect uh, and, and engage, even just in simple conversations, that's very difficult. Yeah, you're describing a rough scene. I definitely get a little like Ugh, thinking about some of the couples I've worked with and, and myself for that matter, relationship of those places. And I'm pretty sure anyone who's been in or is currently in relationship knows exactly what you're talking about, yeah. which is, oh, here we are again. Oh, I hate this. Why are we here? What? How do we do a different thing? We're at the thing? suspension bridge. <laughs> yeah, right. And <laughs> it's not feeling good. <laughs> Um, and, and it's wood slats and they seem to be crumbling below our feet. When a couple's in that place, it really, for me, has been a lot of historically, we got to slow it down. I act as this moderator slash mediator slash guide of really intervening, slowing down, asking them to breathe, uh, helping them notice, sometimes by just reflecting back to them I do this thing a lot called, I call accuracy and reporting or reality testing with individuals and with couples. Because um, this is pretty classic. I imagine you can relate to this. Suzanne. Someone says something that, you know, if it was written down, it would be fairly innocuous. Right. Uh, except in a charged dynamic in a couple, it's said with like a <laughs> uh, and, and kind of a crappy tone and body language is, you know. Yeah. And the other person understandably was like, whoa, what's your problem? You know, they don't, they don't react well. 
And I'm able to say, okay, time out, slow down. And I'll say, you know, person, we'll say Jane. Jane, what did you, can you reflect back to me what, what you just said to me, just what you thought you said? Okay, John, what, what did you hear Jane say? And we just, we just break it down. Yeah. Like, you know, Jane will say, well, I just, I just told him that I, I, I struggle with how he, you know, acts when we're around. And then John will say, yeah, she just said I'm a total jerk at parties and is sick of me and just doesn't want to be with me. I'm like, wow, geez, turns out you're on two separate, like, planets ideologically right now. And so to be able to go through and actually sometimes I'll stop, like in this example, I'll say, I'll say the thing neutrally and then I'll say it how I received it, which is, and they're like, oh, wow, I did that. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much how it went for me. Uh, and so, again, reflection, being a mirror, slowing things down, in some ways being a referee, really. Uh, and then to be able to invite a couple key factors, generosity of spirit, benefit of the doubt, um, as well as uh, acknowledging bits for attention. Just some really basic, and also we do listening one-on-one stuff. Like, right. uh, I need your full and undivided attention. Can yeah. you reflect back what you heard me say? Oh, did I get that right? Oh, not quite right. Thanks for that. Uh, here's this piece. Um, all these are great mental, intellectual tools to slow us down to bring us more. When that affect gets going, people tend to leave the yeah. room <laughs> or be exactly. a past novel of their life. Uh, well said. Yeah, they're physically there, but they're just rereading that novel. Yep. Yeah. Or what yeah. the past. So that's beautiful. And because uh, if you can, you know, what I've noticed right now during this whole passage that we've gone through on planet Earth is that uh, a lot of individuals' uh, jagged edges have come up. And so they, they either are ready to sit in it or they might be running. Um, out the room from wherever they are because they feel like uh, they don't want, they're not ready to face it, uh, which is fine. You know, we're not always ready to face something, but if you can share a little bit for the uh, listeners, if they've noticed certain things uh, coming up for themselves individually or in dynamics at work or in relationship, uh, how to address those versus uh, running off the set. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Running offset. <laughs> Go get our actor back. We need her for this next scene. Um, yeah, to your point, uh, I find most folks and culturally we're not we're not encouraged to to sit with difficult emotions. We're not encouraged to to be in discomfort or to hold tension uh, and stay relational. That's a that's a critical component. Um, and I like what you said. Sometimes we're not actually able in the moment to be in whatever's cooking. So the two things I encourage really strongly, if it is really rough and, and it's just feels like too much, it's overwhelming, whatever the, is happening in the moment. Um, I very much encourage people to take care of themselves and critically communicate what they're doing. Not simply, uh, I can't handle this slam the door and they're out and they take off in their car and the, the other person's left just being like, what, what the hell? Yeah. Wow. Are we divorced now? Like what just happened? <laughs> um, but to be able to say, this is really hard for me right now. I'm going to take a walk. I will return in no more than 15 minutes. 
for instance. And that's tough to do. It's also tough to be in a charge and have charge mixture of emotions and stay relational, stay in contact with yourself and your partner. And this is, this is very much this critical. So often we get the message in my experience that we should be cool. Just like you and I are sitting here having this conversation. Um, we should be able to do just like this, be calm and, and you know, complimentary and really listen in when we're pissed or scared or hurt or all of the above. It's just not realistic. Yeah. So being able to self-regulate uh, and to some extent co-regulate, like help each other stay relational. Right. Um, but one of the biggest things is it's really tough to do on the fly. So I deeply encourage people to front load these things. Hmm. Say next time you get into conflict, because you will, yeah. I will, you will. Next time you get in hot water, whatever you want to call it, because um, it's right around the corner, whether it's a week <laughs> or a month, uh, depending on schedules and how often we do those kinds of things. What's our plan? Really true. It's like having a safety plan for a fire evacuation. Right. It's a safety plan for hard conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, share a little bit about the value of tension in a relationship sometimes. Again, if we get to the Pollyanna idea, we can only be peace, love, and happiness. Uh, but the, yeah. the value, you know, because our universe is built on polarities and tension. So, you know, in the, the hero's journey of, you know, taking out the dark force, it's not really scientifically going to happen because we have these polarities holding our whole existence here uh, in this vast universe. So if you can share the, how that can be really telling, like when the tension rides, when the anger rides, because I, I know from my own personal experiences that there's a lot of juicy information in there about self and maybe the person that you're in a arduous situation with in the moment. That can be beneficial in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. I was just listening to something this morning about tension. Um, and this goes back to wholeness. Like you said, polarity, dynamic tension. It's the only way that anything actually happens in the world, in my experience. Yeah. Like we, we are not here as a species without some pretty serious dynamic tension. Yeah. <laughs> like about to kill or be killed, uh, need to procreate because there's only, you know, three dozen humans on the planet, you know, however millions of years ago or whatever, hundreds of thousands of years ago. So, so that feels important to go back to the basics of dynamic tension is quite literally what keeps us alive. Yeah. Right? Our hearts beating, our lungs moving air in and out. Um, and to your point, there's so much richness in tension. If we want to live a tension-free life, well, either we dissociate, I'm drug addicted or addicted to the internet, or we just sort of leave. Either, yeah, go live on a mountain or kill ourselves. Yeah. Uh, those, are, those are not great options, right. um, I don't think. That goes back to the piece of the both end of being able to hold, hey, I have these needs. Ooh, I'm really uncomfortable. Yeah. And here's a critical thing I think that, 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 gets, that happens often. We as humans conflate uh, discomfort with a lack of safety. And we can turn that into this trump card that says, well, I'm not safe. I'm not talking to you anymore. I'm out. You're, you're being aggressive. It's like, okay. I don't think I was being aggressive. I, I think we're both uncomfortable. That's very different. 
then if I don't have a kitchen knife, I'm not trying to, you know, yeah. <laughs> chase around the dining room table and put this thing, you know, between your shoulder blades. I'm not crazy. Uh, yeah. So, and again, these are often conversations best had when we're not charged. Right. It's not in the moment. So we set ourselves up for a little more success each time. Yeah. That knowing, like, for instance, my partner and I, uh, she's been a therapist and guide and educator for gosh, probably 25, 30 years. Uh, we have usually every other week check-ins and they're designed specifically one, just to see like, Hey, how are you? We talk every day, but it's easy to slip into that. We talk every day. So therefore we didn't, we don't need to talk anymore right. or about important stuff. Yep. And every two weeks we flex these muscles of one or both of us will bring some like, well, there's something I have to tell you. And every time I'm like, oh my God, what's she going to tell me? What is, uh, you know, we're good. We're solid. And even solid, my whole body's like, oh no, this is terrible. I'm sure one of me says, this is going to be terrible. And I'm slowly learning that, no, no, Jeff, take a breath. Back to the breathing in my belly, right? Um, yeah. That my partner loves me, cares for me, and they would not be bringing this thing if it wasn't important. Right. You know, being able to translate, oh, this is actually care both directions. Um, yeah. So, and that will always have tension. Yeah. And I say consistently when we do the work, whether it's individuals or couples, I say this will never get easy, ever. So let's squelch that. Let's snuff that idea out. It's some you're just going to rock it and you're going to coast. No. <laughs> If you're, if you're doing your work, you're continually peeling the layers, it will never get easy and it will get easier. Right. It will get easier to enter. It'll get easier to stay. It'll get easier to know when to pause or when to end for now. Right. It doesn't ever get easy. It's never free of tension, at least not for more than a few moments. Right. So that's, that's some of, I mean, I love that you point to tension and I agree with you that it is such an a wellspring of goodness that is largely it's just sitting right there with pure just mineral filled water that if we could just hang out long enough to get yeah. some yeah. yeah it's so valuable even you know in the most heated moments uh yeah so maybe people on the internet can celebrate that <laughs> the mm -hmm. tension that's there like it's so juicy <laughs> yeah and it often portends movement and yeah. again like being born is that comfortable? Well, I don't particularly remember, but but I've seen enough my children's births and I've yeah. you know, seen other you yeah. know animals being born. That is not pleasant. <laughs> it might be kind of euphoric and painful, right? There's a both end. Yeah. There's that dynamic tension yeah. of like, oh my God, I'm breathing air for the first time. This is crazy. Absolutely. Wow. And oh I'm scared as I'm scared as hell. What what do we do now? Right? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah portends something moving or the birth of something or the death and birth of something. Absolutely. Yeah. Beautifully said. Now your love for nature, uh, being a guide, uh, yeah. out in nature and, uh, notice that you guys do some Kiva, uh, sweat lodge or Kiva. Or like uh, not a sweat mescal, lodge. More like mescal uh, prayer. Well, I don't know about that. The, the Kiva is a, is a historically it's a, Pueblo uh, yep. Native American structure. Yeah. Yeah. Most folks aren't. I'm glad you are. Um, <laughs> it's basically a big hole in the ground with a fire pit in the middle. Um, yeah. 
and my partner and I hold, or at least pre-COVID, would hold community kivas, uh, basically time to sit in circle and be in council with nice. community members. Um, we see clients there. It's a safe way in COVID <laughs> across a fire, 10 feet apart, yeah. to see clients. Um, and I've held many, many men's groups there. It's a wonderful place, uh, a magical place, literally a six foot hole in the ground that's about 13 feet in diameter. Um, yeah. And and to speak to the nature, to nature, hello nature. <laughs> I'm looking at the front the front range uh, here in Boulder and nice. the Flatirons. Yeah, and it's a spitting snow a little bit. One of the things that I've come to really realize, not just here, but in my whole system, nature, mother nature can hold it all hold anything yeah tears grief mourning rage uh joy tranquility trauma yeah absolutely and nature doesn't need anything from us it's a place we utterly belong there are no questions about our belonging when we're in the wild i believe um so that's a central part of it but on a very personal level and also what i've done in nature, in the Kiva, in guiding men on vision fasts, and um, yeah, and there's ineffable, ineffable qualities to it, and that's part of the mystery. And that's a whole other thing we could we could maybe dig into. But I have an allegiance, more and more deep allegiance to mystery. Yeah. Which people would say, well, what does mystery mean? And it's, it's like, well, it's mysterious, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> And the important thing is we can't put our finger on it. It's right. like a Zen koan, where in a Zen koan, logic has no role in finding the value. Not an answer, necessarily. You're not solving a riddle. Right. And I think, I mean, nature is much like that. We come away with a feeling that is largely indescribable, and it feels good. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if you can share a little bit for the listeners, I know when I take clients on out deep in nature uh how uh, just some of your practices that you do when you guide them in nature to reset that maybe they could do just on the simplest level because i wouldn't necessarily advise someone just to go out on without knowing how to handle because there is a deep mystery we can dive deeper into that but maybe how they can go out and connect it's available everywhere like some people think they have to walk into a forest but literally if you're in a city or if you're in yeah. Boulder, Colorado, in the mountains, you can still uh, tap into nature because it's everywhere. <laughs> and we're part yes, of it. it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well said, Suzanne. Yeah, I agree. Um, a couple of things pop up that are so simple and powerful when done with intention. One of them, uh, Bill Plotkin, the depth psychologist and creator, uh, founder of the Animus Valley Institute, which has now been going for forty years. 1980? Yeah, wild. He just came out with his fourth book. Um, Talks about a praise walk. It's a powerful practice. You can do it anywhere. Um, And the idea being, in this particular exercise, could be in a city park or your backyard. Um, If there is grass or trees, a bird, or or two or three or five, um, take a journal. uh, And some of the precepts are very similar to vision fast which three of them no human contact no human made shelters no food 
So setting a time is really important. So say even just, it could be even 30 minutes. Ideally it's an hour, maybe it's two, where you head out into a trail and ideally you go a little off trail. And you let yourself be drawn to whatever is attractive to you. And again, we're, we're offline with the frontal cortex here. It doesn't have to make sense. In fact, it's really important in this exercise to not try to make sense of, well, why would I go over there? It's just another tree. There's a tree right here. No, that's not the point. No, the point is to go to that tree and then be with the tree and then until you're drawn somewhere else. It might be six inches from where you are or it might be looking down as opposed to looking or you know, it might be just deeper into the forest. You might be drawn to sit. You might be drawn to be quiet. You might be drawn to journal or sketch something. It just allows for the possibility of you to be in contact with something other than the stream of information we're inundated by, uh, or the host of responsibilities we have in our day world slash middle world lives. The things we you know think, oh, I gotta do that when I'm done with this stupid praise walk. Can't wait for it to be over. Um, I would also recommend not taking a watch. Certainly don't take your phone. Don't take anything that anybody can communicate with you on. Yeah. Um, and again, this could literally be five minutes too. It doesn't have to be even 30. It could be five minutes. So that's one exercise that comes up. Of just being able to let ourselves be drawn in a way that's not cognitive. You are listening to Be Simply. This is Suzanne Toro, a.k.a. She. You can anticipate being inspired, discovering some inner and outer wisdom and inspiration. Without further ado, let's dive into Be Simply. That works with our sense awareness and our longing. Beautiful. Well said. Uh, So, the mystery. Mm. (laughs) Which yeah. I, th- I think, I feel we had uh, relate to it similarly, especially if you do any native type work, being that you're sitting in a kiva, you're definitely connected to some native traditions. Uh, if you can describe a little bit the value, because I know, you know, I work with different indigenous cultures globally, and I'm always in awe of this mystery because I, mm-hmm. it's not something that you can grasp at. It's not something that you can just call it up and make it recreate itself. It's really like an offer from my perspective, an offering. It's like an invitation, like, let me show you this. And then, um, you know, it's a, a matter of the individual's choice if they're going to deepen that relationship with the mystery. So if, if you can share a little bit about, uh, about that and what the value is, uh, that I feel like humanity is really lost in understanding of what that is because we're such an on-demand culture, uh, on-demand feel good, on-demand be wowed, on-demand <laughs> be totally. enlightened. <laughs> <laughs> right, enlightenment in 10 easy steps for only $499. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. something you said uh, really landed about this, Suzanne. Um, being in contact with a mystery like that, it's an offering, and I think it's also a listening and there's a way in which, I mean, the mystery, I don't know what the mystery is for you. I don't know the mystery is for anybody else. I, I'm in relationship with the mystery in my unique way. I think the image that came up as you were speaking, we can't grasp for it when you were talking about that. I so agree. Uh, 
that's the opposite. It's sort of like with people. If we really want them and we're like this, that, what do you know, it repels them. It's like opposed magnets, you know? Yeah. Oh, why didn't she love me? I so loved her. <laughs> <laughs> but I got the image of really carefully preparing soil of self uh, and planting a seed, giving a little water, and and then living our lives, like preparing the, the ground to be fertile for reception of whatever's in the field, whatever needs to arise. And so much of that comes from, I mean, meditation's kind of been all the rage for a couple decades after being all the rage for thousands of years. But um, I think there's incredible value in us just shutting up for a while, really, truly not speaking, uh, just, just looking and listening. And I say this to folks too, there's not one right way to meditate. Uh, for years I would, I, I had training in Vipassana insight meditation and sort of blessing and curse at a young age was like, oh, this is the right way to meditate. Cool. All right. This is, um, mm -hmm. and it had to be perfect. I you know, had to be quiet and I had to have candles and I had to have a bell and, and what ended up happening is I never meditated for years because it was never quiet. So meditation can look any. Thich Nhat Hanh talks a lot about walking meditations, which I appreciate a lot. And that can absolutely be done in the city. But it's, to me, slowing down, quieting our minds, uh, and actually making room to, to hear different things. A friend of mine said it really well. They were in nature recently by themselves. and They said it was really quiet, but it wasn't quiet at all. And that's one of the things I love about being in the wild, is that it feels quiet. But it's quiet, like uh, uh, like I'm in an oxygen bar. But there's way more than oxygen coming in, and I just feel so much better because it's it's just things being things. It's just animals, creatures being creatures. Right. And I'm not on my phone or trying to, you know, get paid for this or you know market this or see how many likes are on my posts. That kind yeah. of thing. So. Sort well, of yeah, a long, simple answer, but well, no, there's a lot. You know, uh, I would go up to the Sunshine Coast in Canada, back and forth between LA oh. and for about a year. Oh yeah, it's gorgeous up there. It's beautiful, but the trees are super noisy if you're in touch with nature. Like I always felt like they were like, woo, <laughs> back. Like, we just have a few days to catch up. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Communication going on. Uh huh. Um, I love so that. if you could, you know, when you talk about, you know, our, our interface with like leaving, unplugging and technology, because definitely that's, um, you know, we're, we're kind of living out a, a about a 10 year experiment of taking human psychology, plugging them into an artificial meat mechanism. Uh, if you can share how important it is, you know, when we talk about getting out and just the nature around us, but also uh, the importance of human to human contact and the interface that happens, you know, we experience this in relationships, you know, we live with our family or our partner or our kids. Uh, but right now we're really been deprived of that in certain ways. Um, and if you could just remind everyone how important it is to have that contact. <laughs> I love it. Go have contact with other humans. I'll definitely remind people. We need each other. Good God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what came up as you were describing this, I agree. This is where our 
biology can work against us. As humans, I think we're wildly adaptive. And I think it was Viktor Frankl said, uh, adjusting, what was it? Adjusting to a profoundly sick society is no, is no sign of health or something like yeah. that. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Um, and in this scenario, I've watched myself again with the practice of listening and being what I call cultivating the observer of ourselves, more of our adult initiated self. Um, I've watched my introvert when the pandemic shelter in place first started think, oh, this is great. No one's going to be in my office. I can just put shit wherever I want it. No one will screw it up. This is wonderful. I'm just going to click this end meeting button and then they're gone. This is so tidy. I watched myself totally contract and get kind of precious. And now I'm pretty damn tired of just realizing, no, actually so much of what I do is being in person where now you and I sitting here, okay, it's great. It's amazing and miraculous that we can connect. I really, really, truly believe that. And like, for instance, in terms of contact, like if I were to lean forward in session, I'm a big dude. It matters. Like that's like eight inches. But online, it doesn't quite translate as much. Right. Um, and I, I give that as an example of just to hopefully to remind that it matters that we have eye contact. It matters that we co-regulate. It matters that we get out of our own echo chamber, yeah. um, which is easy to adjust and adapt and rationalize and justify. You know, yeah, I don't really want to go see humans. Uh, big risk, you know, even if it is 22 feet apart outside in the mountain. I could get COVID somehow. Yeah, like, okay. I mean, this feels like one of those inflection points of where truly we find what is important to us. Absolutely. Um, because there is a dearth of connection. Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully said. Well, the, I remind people the tea tree actually requires human touch and it will die if humans aren't picking its leaves <sighs> and drinking from it. Uh, I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah it will wither. Oh. So, and trees love human interaction. Um, I always encourage my clients to have a couple tree friends because yeah, that's a fun. great way to like get their energy cleared and uh, to feel supported unconditionally. Uh, and then if if we we can share just um, from mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual disharmony, how powerful it is to uh, engage with nature in a way to help bring us into balance on um, what you've maybe seen or witnessed uh, in, in that process for yourself or maybe for your clients. Mm, yeah, I love that story about the tea tree. Um, <laughs> there's a fun story, one of my clients, um, who we still haven't met in human because we, <laughs> they found me during the pandemic, even though they're local. Um, I encourage them to get a plant and to give it a name and to talk to it every day nice. um, and build a relationship. Turns out they were quite skeptical, but the shit is working. Uh, <laughs> totally working. Like the plant is doing well, the relationship's going well. Um, uh, it, to me, it goes back to, I think, something you just said, which is uh, unconditional acceptance. Yeah. And it's one of the ways that. Uh, I think uh, Peter Levine talks about this in his work, Semantic Experiencing, um, where it's resourcing. Like when I'm when I'm challenged, whether it's just in my personal life or even in session, when I'm 
a little thrown off by whatever's cooking in the room with the other person or at Zoom, as it may be. I will look at the mountains. I'll look at the, the, the texture and color of this jade plant next to me. Um, and I'll be with the kind of isness and the, again, the, the, these plants don't need anything. They're really generous. Mother Nature is benevolent. Like, beautiful. Wow. These alive creatures that I can attend to. So, and there's gratitude in there, which is a, a whole other important related practice for me that I encourage for folks mm. is to be grateful. Find shit to be grateful for every day. Yeah. Maybe it's a tree. Yeah. I mean, they do produce oxygen and sequester carbon. Yeah. And the sun. <laughs> and the Those sun. Yeah. Hello. Things to be thankful for every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It keeps us alive. How about it? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good, great point. I'm with you, Suzanne. <laughs> yeah. um, and so if you can share how everything's just all right out in nature, well, maybe you don't think it is, but I do. Everything's just okay. Like if we go take a walk in the woods or in the city park, it's, there's no problems there. <laughs> um, and to your point of always like bringing thing, things into solution versus perceiving them as broken. Uh, if you can share for the listeners that might be uh, suffering from a little uh, trauma from this experience, fear of engaging with the world, uh, what yeah. might be a first step for them to start to repair? Because you know we're going to have to have a recovery process, and yeah. it might be good if people use nature as their bridge uh, back into engaging with the fellow humans. Yeah. Yeah, recovery process is right. Because there is a, I appreciate what you're saying, Suzanne, there's a, a systemic trauma of sorts. This whole thing, both culturally, politically, obviously with the pandemic. Um, for me, small is good. Smaller is often better when it comes to uh, the way we change. So to your point, I love the idea of nature as a bridge. And that might be just moving our bodies. Um, again, back to the way our, our adaptability can work against us. Oh, I don't need to go outside. I have one plant. I get to order my groceries. I, you know, I buy everything online. I work out on my, you know, Peloton or you know, I do my online yoga, which is cool. That's totally great. That's not slamming any of that. Um, and we've effectively, that is a contraction. It's a consistent contraction systemically. And you know, when anything atrophies, is another way to put it, 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 it doesn't just bounce back to where it was. We have to work pretty hard and we have to work incrementally and consistently, I would say multiple times daily to re-strengthen, re regrow, re-expand yeah. into the world as we knew it before. And it's forever changed. So the idea of, okay, write a new story. Have you not literally gone to the post office in six months? Maybe it's time to buck up, put a mask on and go to the post office. Right. And setting ourselves up for success too, where ultimately, you know, if we look at, this is a, we'll call this like a, our zone of being, we'll talk about optimal growth. Okay. I'm not sure what side is. We'll go like this. This will be easier because this is up for sure. Because I can't get the left, right thing. I don't know which way. Um, 
so when we think about ourselves as beings that grow in this middle zone, we're fairly comfortable. Anything below here, we're just chilling on the couch, playing video games, getting fat. It's not good, typically. So, so we need to kind of be in this zone. Anything too far above here is too much for us, right? So the optimal zones of growth tend to be in this zone or just at or just above this sort of imaginary line. Hopefully you're watching this because it won't make any sense if you're listening to it. Yeah. Um, but so to push our edges a little bit, are we a little bit uncomfortable? Good. That's a good sign. Wonderful. Keep going. Are you too uncomfortable? Okay. Slow down. Take a breath. Pump the brakes. You know, good. Call it a day. Whatever it is. Like if, if walking to the mailbox and saying hi to your neighbor across the street causes a mini panic attack. Okay, cool. That's an important reference point. It was maybe a little too much today. Right. I mean, that's an extreme example. And yeah. that's where some folks are, too. It's not Absolutely. out of the realm of possibility. Um, so my suggestion would be incremental, daily, consistent practice toward uh, our growing edge. Long and short. Beautiful. Beautifully said. Well, you are a plethora of information. And those who work <laughs> with you are very blessed. Uh, yeah. Can you share with the listeners, uh, we didn't even get to talk about your show, but they can check it out. Uh, That's true. The, the Best Bozo, is that what is it? The Better Bozo. The Better Bozo. The Better Bozo, critically in the growth mindset. We don't want the Best Bozo because that <laughs> guy is, yeah, the, the Best Bozo is pretty full of himself. So yeah, it's the Better Bozo. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I, I like the play on words. Um, mm-hmm. So if you can share where we can find you we'll put the links below and they were on the, yep. the thing but it's good to orate yep. it too for the listeners yep uh my therapy website is threeleavescounseling.com uh you can find the podcast there actually too it's also at thebetterbozo.com um those are the two main places uh, you can find out yeah. about my the men, men's groups i offer and whatever else is cooking at those places so beautiful well i appreciate you Thanks yeah, I appreciate you too, Susan. Thanks for uh, helping the humans on planet Earth <laughs> during this moment in space. And yes, um, keep up the good work and then let us know if you have other things up and coming. We'll be happy to shine a light on them and promote them. Or even I thought today we'd get into really men-centric, but it seemed more uh, everyone-centric, which is good. So that's <laughs> where it was supposed to be. So uh, yeah, well, in the future, we'll talk about so exclusively about men. <laughs> <laughs> Which will not be just about men, but totally men-centered. You know yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Yeah, totally. So, all right. Well, you have a great day. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Suzanne. I love that connect. Once again, I want to thank Jeff James Howard. You can connect to him at threeleavescounseling.com. In addition, you can find him at thebetterbozo.com. And we will do that male seed episode. I had a great inspiration towards the end of the editing of this segment of bringing one other person in to maybe do a little forum on men's wellness. As inspired, connect to his work below, support his work, uh, give it a shout out. And until next time, this is she signing out with a full heart, a soft gaze, a gentle smile, a deep bow, and a namaste. Be simply. Thank you.